Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Paul Zetmeyer, the new co-CEO of LimeWire. Yes, LimeWire, you heard that correct. The discontinued peer-to-peer file sharing software that we all loved and abused in the early 2000s. They are back and better than ever. Paul and his partner are revamping this iconic brand, but taking it in a new direction to focus on music NFTs. In this episode, we talk about everything from reviving the iconic brand to their thesis on music NFTs and what they hope to achieve in the coming years. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Paul, welcome to Mint, my friend. Thank you so much for being on. Very excited to have you on. How are you doing? Thanks very much. I'm very good. Thanks a lot for having me. Great, you got to, it. great to meet you. You got it. Calling in, you said from Vienna, Austria, right? For sure. From Vienna. Amazing. We just <laughs> found out you were based in Vienna some time ago as well. Yes. So. I used to live in Vienna, yes, but that's not that's important awesome. right now. What's more important <laughs> is LimeWire is back. Back sure. and better in action. Okay. I, I want to start this thing with an introduction. Okay. Who are you, Paul? I'm curious to learn more about who you are personally. Um, more of LimeWire's rejuvenated team and why you're bringing back this iconic brand. Sure, happy to. So I'm Paul. Um, actually, been in the B2B and tech space for the better part of the last ten years. Uh, working together with my brother Julian, um, we've done lots of different projects. We've had uh, we've launched an Evers uh, an e-signature company called EverSign, um, pretty much competing with DocuSign overseas. We've built an API portfolio called API Layer. It was containing like twenty different microservice API products, also aimed at specific niches in the B2B space. Um, we actually sold that off last year to a company called Idera, based in Texas. Um, we also built a product called Zero SSL, so we're still running that on the side. Um, it's actually one of the biggest competitors to Let's Encrypt, so, so selling um, SSL certificates, making it really easy for people to secure their websites. So lots of stuff uh, we've done in the B2B space, but we've always wanted to do something actually in, in crypto, NFTs, and especially, especially music as well. Uh, so obviously, having had the opportunity to acquire the, the, the LimeWire brand assets um, and now relaunching the product, um, we're completely excited about it. Uh, obviously, announced um, did the first announcement two weeks ago, um, and now working full steam ahead uh, to to obviously uh, launch the product. So I'd say you shocked the world when <laughs> when LimeWire came back, <laughs> uh, the iconic brand which a lot of us used kind of in the early two thousands for pirating movies, pirating music. Uh, that was essentially the first peer to peer. A digital network of its kind, right? For sure. For sure. Um, and, and I guess is very reminiscent of a lot of the ethos that's happening in crypto in Web three, right now. But why why bring back LimeWire? Like, what what was the what was the motivation behind doing that? Share with me the story behind I mean, the, sure. the, the upbirth I mean, of it. You mentioned it. I mean, obviously, LimeWire was kind of the was laying the foundation also for blockchain, right? I mean, this peer to peer thought and and that vision um, obviously is is really uh, a fundamental thing to to where uh, blockchain technology is right now. So that's really interesting. Uh, why the brand? So we think it's a it's a huge opportunity to revive it because um, we've just done our research uh, last year, right? And 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 just the following and the nostalgia around the brand that's visible all across social media, all across the media, really, even twelve years after the shutdown. Um, there's just a lot of energy to that. Um, and we thought it would be great to take this amazing mainstream brand, to take a concept that is really abstract and not mainstream at all yet, like the NFT space, um, um, and, and try to bring it to a wider audience, right? Everybody knows the brand, so, so we kind of cause smiles with everybody who's, who's, who we were talking to. Um, and everybody kind of says they've used it in the past, just like myself. So, so yeah. it's, a real, it's, it's a real 
it's a real thing back in from the 2000s, right? Uh, so, so we thought, let's take the brand. I mean, obviously, we, we ended up acquiring all the assets um, and then started thinking about what's, what's really the thing that LimeWire was most associated with, and that's music, right? And, and, and NFTs is something extremely interesting, something that could be really revolutionizing the, mu the, the, the music industry once again, like LimeWire was 20 years ago with Napster and all those peer-to-peer uh, -peer platforms. Um, it kind of brought about a completely new thinking of, of how we consume media and, and how we also think about like on-demand. Um, and, and we can do that again with LimeWire. It's, so it's an amazing opportunity to take that brand, kind of use all of that nostalgia and that really positive emotion um, and, and bring something that's so abstract like the NFT space to people that are currently outside the space, make it a lot easier to get in and, and also especially also um, support artists doing so, right? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you, is Mark Gordon still involved in the new takeover? He's not, no. So okay. we're intentionally, um, obviously, communicated through, throughout that we're a completely new team, we're completely fresh working, as cool. you mentioned, out, out of Vienna, Berlin and London, opening up in New York pretty soon. Cool. Um, but our, our intention was also to kind of position the brand and our team completely as a completely new company, right? Um, especially with the music industry, Limeware had a controversial past. Uh, we want to make sure we turn around that image. Um, we use the brand in a way that supports artists uh, as a company that, that actually launches for the music industry not against it. Um, and obviously that also entailed uh, making sure we're a completely fresh team uh, without any ties to the old company. So you guys posted a, a Twitter thread. Uh, I think it was on the 22nd, kind of explaining why you're back, why you're doing this, the vision. Um, and uh, can you share with me a little bit about that? For those who didn't catch the Twitter thread, can you kind of like really quick regurgitate that? For example, why is sure. LimeWire back? What are you guys after? I know we talked, you, you brought it up a little bit, but I want you to go a little bit more in depth. Of course. So, so the reason why we're bringing it back is um, obviously we're excited about the brand. We were big fans of LimeWare back in the day. We kind of see the energy around the brand. So we think it's just a great opportunity to take, take that concept and make it mainstream. And why we're going into music in general is, is because LimeWire was just mostly associated with music. And we see a huge opportunity for the music industry and artists as a whole um, to, to uniquely use content that is not monetized at the moment. So if you think about... Uh, like an average band producing an, an album. Um, pretty much, if, if it takes six months, for example, they produce so much content along the way, and if they have a really good following, and if they have, like, say, loyal fans, um, they are extremely excited about the content that gets produced along the way and that never gets published, right? So we think NFTs as a whole are a huge opportunity for artists in the music industry and in other categories, by the way, um, to use that content and, and, and to start offering it to those people, right? Um, you could think of like an unreleased demo of a song, for example, that might not be perfect, but that might, might even make it a little more special for fans that are really interested and that are willing to kind of spend money for that, right? Spending money for music is something we, that's not really a given anymore at the moment. 20 years ago, people would go to, uh, to the record stores and buy a limited LP. We kind of want to take that concept and take it digital, right? And take that into the NFT space. Um, there are some companies doing that already. We, we just think that um, that Web3 um, and especially the NFT space is just too complicated at the moment for the average consumer. And just from our conversations we've had with, with artists in the music space, um, we want them to be able to offer their special content, let's call it like special exclusive content, to 100% of their fans and not only to a subset of like 5% potentially um, that, that might have a wallet already. So, so most of the people that are actually fans of music, just like the, the average consumer out there, just doesn't have a crypto wallet yet. They just don't own cryptocurrencies yet. 
and they don't really know the mechanics behind NFTs. So, yeah. so our, our idea is to really simplify things, kind of take a Web 2.5 approach. Just mm. we're, I mean, we're coming from Web 2, right? We're coming from right. Web 2. We've built UX um, user experiences and, and, and B2B platforms for the last 10 years. We kind of want to combine the best of two worlds, make it really easy for people to get in, and then gradually also bring them towards to decentralization and make them understand the concepts of NFTs and, and really use the energy behind owning a digital item, right? Which is, which yeah. is an amazing thought. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So is this going to be built on Ethereum? No, you said, I, I think I read somewhere it says Algorand, right? For sure, yeah. It's why, Algorand. why Algorand? Algorand is actually a really cool blockchain. So I'm not sure how much you know about the blockchain, but in general, I mean, there's a few things that really speak to it. Um, uh, for, for example, they're carbon negative, right? So that's, that's one thing that's, that's usually important uh, for us, but especially also for the artists that we're working with. So they're really, uh, looking a lot at the environment and kind of the impact they have on, on the environment. So that's a huge thing for us and for the music industry as a whole. Uh, they're extremely easy and fast and, and safe and secure. So, so that's, that's also the tech obviously was incredibly important. We want fast minting. We want minting to be really cheap because we want to take the minting cost over for our customers. We don't want our customers to deal with, uh, with, with uh, gas fees, right? I mean, uh, on other platforms, you just have to um, calculate if it makes sense to buy a specific item uh, keeping in mind the current level of gas fees. We want to strip all of that away, uh, let, let people use their credit card. And, and Algorand allows us to obviously keep the, keep the, the gas fees so low that we can actually cover them. Um, and they're just really supportive, right? So they're, they're doubling down on the music space. We're not the only company they're working with in the music space. There's, there's really an ecosystem that's building in Algorand at the moment um, where we can have a lot of synergy effects. And, and, and they're trying to kind of be the big player, the big blockchain player in the music space. We're happy to obviously uh, launch on them. Um, there's lots of like joint marketing we do, lots of like internal communications and partnerships we do. Um, and we're extremely excited about that. Uh, just one more thought, because you mentioned Ethereum. Obviously, um, maximizing compatibility is extremely important for us as well. So not only will people be able to export their NFTs on the Algorand blockchain, but they're also going to be able to do it uh, to, to cross-chain bridge um, their items to Polygon and Ethereum. So that's also what we're building. Yeah. Do you collect NFTs yourself personally, like music NFTs? I do. I have um, not too many music NFTs, but music NFTs as a whole, for sure. Okay. Um, okay. And I've been interested in the space for long. And it's a completely crazy space, right? I mean, yeah. It's a completely early and new space. I think there's lots of uh, questionable stuff happening in the space as well. Um, lots of really interesting concepts, lots of, lots of concepts where we think that, that they might probably not kind of make the test of time. Um, but we, we kind of want to focus on quality, right? Yeah, for sure. How, how, who are like some of your favorite uh, artists in Web3 right now, music artists that come to mind? I mean, there's lots of them. I mean, what I really like, uh, it's not specifically music, but what, what I really um, found really interesting is how CryptoPunks made it, right? The, the funny thing is back in 2017, we actually had contact with, contact with the company from CryptoPunks um, about another thing that we were doing back in the B2B space. And that's where we first learned about the product and or about the project and really, really didn't uh, didn't uh, kind of get the concept at first because that back in 2017, I mean, NFTs were completely new, right? They were one of the biggest first collections to, to come out there. Um, so that's that was really exciting. And and obviously, I mean, we've also been looking at, at Royal and Opulence and all those companies. Uh, I think the royalty, uh, like the uh, royalty sharing scheme is also really interesting. I think it's tricky, but but it's certainly an interesting concept to follow. So I've been looking at that a lot. Um, but in general, really excited about the space. Yeah. Can you talk more about what traits go into valuing music NFTs? Like, what do you look for? What should collectors look for? For sure. I think what's really important, I mean, 
obviously there's the tip uh, like the typical we, we, we let's say let's put it like this the typical jpeg nft that doesn't have anything built around it that doesn't come with any access or community or, or utility we don't necessarily see the value in those right um so, so that's one thing where we see a lot of value in the space is if an nft and that could be like an audio nft it could be a, an image nft or whatever um if that nft actually provides some type of utility um it could be access, it could be membership. Um, for example, at LimeWire, we're doing a lot of like physical events. We were hosting events to, with the artists that we, that we sign um, sure. for them to play at our events. Um, and we want to kind of open up our physical events that we do probably in a monthly or bi-monthly um, uh, fashion after the launch. We want to open it up, for, first of all, to like traders on the platform that are really active and engaged, um, to owners of specific NFTs but also to token holders, right? Um, and that's where we kind of create an ecosystem around maybe even collections that we build ourselves as LimeWire and we drop uh, with LimeWire as an artist, so to speak. So, so we want to make sure that the NFTs that live on LimeWire, we're also pushing our artists for that because it's really in their interest as well um, to create some type of membership, some type of access that comes with their NFTs because then the secondary market gets really interesting as well. Uh, one thing we're doing, for example, is we're allowing our artists to open up communities inside LimeWire Obviously, I mean, some NFT artists have been building their communities on Discord, and that might be really fragmented and, and sometimes tricky. So we're trying to allow artists that would, for example, do a one of one of ten thousand collection um, to open up a community that's actually exclusive to those ten thousand owners. Um, and if that community is really interesting, right? If, if there's content uh, like announcements that that get posted ahead of time, if there's maybe access to specific drops uh, that's only that may be limited to that group of people. Um, if there's in general like a vibrant community behind that 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 scheme, um, then then that NFT is actually uh, representing a membership uh, to that community. And if you sell that, I mean, if you're an owner, you have access. But if you sell it, you lose access to that membership and, and you lose right. access to that community. Um, and if that's really interesting, then people might might want to buy them off of you, right? So that also kind of makes for a lot of secondary uh, market energy and and. Um, can be really interesting long term. So that's that's what we, what we encourage our artists a lot to do um, is actually to create, provide something around the NFTs, not just only the content. Got it. I, I want to talk more about um, how you think about like price psychology of a of a music NFT. Okay, uh, because there is no yet defined way to kind of structure uh, the right uh, price around a song, sure. around a beat, around a loop, uh, around any form of element that kind of gets comprised into a song down the line. How do you think about price psychology for music NFT? Like, do artists risk devaluing their their collectibles or, <clears throat> excuse me, their on-chain collectibles by, let's say, like releasing more songs, not releasing enough songs? Because I remember back in the era of like the March 2020 era of the NFT gateway area of the digital art era, a lot of there was a lot of commentary around artists risking devaluing their collections and themselves the more kind of drops they did. Right? Does the same like mentality apply? Uh, to a music artist where a lot of the value behind an artist is producing music, is releasing music, right? How do you think sure. about that? I mean, maybe just to, to put that first, um, in terms of content, we, we don't try to be an alternative to streaming, right? We don't want our right. artists to kind of just okay. re-mint all of their content that they have living on, on the streaming platforms anyway on LimeWire. So that really doesn't make sense. So that's just, just to put that first. Um, in terms of pricing, it's really difficult, right? I mean, it's really up to the artists. We, we kind of see that as a uh, as a very individual thing when it comes to the artists. For example, we don't dictate prices. So we've seen a lot of artists that, are, that, are, that mentioned that they did drops on other platforms in the past um, and they pretty much provided their content and the NFT platform did the rest, right? 
we think it's it's much more important and much more beneficial for all sides to work with them um, to let them actually decide how exclusive is this content really right is it is it unpublished is it is it potentially a bonus track or like a completely new song that might only live on LimeWire and that might not only get pre-released? Um, then it could be more expensive, right? If it's really limited to a thousand people, for example, or even a hundred or ten people. Um, I mean, you could think of like uh, the, the Wu Tang album that, that was sold just one time right. in physical format, right? Um, that was a few million, right? Uh, so if it's a really popular artist, and there's obviously confidence that a person is actually willing to spend that kind of money for. Um, on um then then there's a way of, of of making it really high price but but it really depends on a on a case by case so we've been we've been talking to our artists for example about creating two types of different collections because our one of our goals at limeware is not only to be really accessible when it comes to how the platform is used and how to kind of get onboarded but also from a price perspective right um so uh, from the last few years many of the nfts like on on, on the biggest platforms they were going like Average price was, was somewhere something between 1k and 10k. Right. Um, we think it's just really hard to. Hard, it's not attainable for most of the people. Um, so what we're pushing our artists for is to create obviously one one of gold collection that might be really expensive, might be an auction, um, and like a really exclusive piece of a piece of music or a graphical artwork, but also like a one of 10,000 that's priced maybe below 50 dollars, maybe even below, maybe below, maybe even lower than that, or maybe at 100 bucks. So mm. much more accessible to to many more people. And make that obviously and open that as well right because we want to kind of have both ends of the line yeah, yeah. but pricing yeah. Is, is difficult yeah it's, it's really something that, that we need to kind of explore over time you know one of my favorite uh takes on on pricing is from verte i talked about this on the episode uh, i think with cooper turley uh and with verte herself who was also part of season four and uh she came out with this like end of year blog post on her thoughts around the entire space on her experience kind of selling out her collection and achieving high valuations and deep pocketed uh, collectors around her, her art. And she basically came to the conclusion that she's in favor of letting the market decide what her art is worth if she's unsure. And by doing that, you kind of place like an open bid mechanic on it, letting collectors, you know, let them fight for it. Right. I think she just did this with her recent piece on, on catalog, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I really like that approach. I really like the approach of kind of keeping a free market uh, point of view and allowing your audience and your collectors to decide what they think is valuable, which from what I understand, she can ultimately decide what she wants to accept and what she doesn't want to accept. But like, how, what are your thoughts around like a bid placements, for example, versus setting a fixed price of whether it be $50 or $1,000, $10,000, et cetera? For sure. I mean, I think it's a really interesting concept in, in general. I mean, we're also offering auctions, right? As I just mentioned, that one of one might be an auction, for example, right. where you have right. a specific like base price, like a bottom price that you would expect. Um, and then you can also decide if you want to be able to, to kind of cancel the auction at the end and say, hey, this is, uh, this is not, re or not reaching a specific threshold that you might set before. Um, but also, I mean, so auctions are inc incredibly cool and, and they're really... Uh, they're really a way of kind of letting the market decide, as you mentioned. So I think that's a, that's an integral part of the whole concept. But also like fixed prices, it, it really has to go both ways, in my view. Um, just letting the market decide 100% might be not the biggest, not the best strategy. Also in the long run, I mean, um, as an artist, you kind of have a specific grasp of how how much your uh, how much your art might be worth um, on on a monetary basis as well, and you might might want to kind of just dictate that on specific items right if, it, if it's really if it's an item where you as an artist feel just based on your experience of, of launching art in general in the last few years 
um, you think that's 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 a fair price. And obviously, if you set the price and it doesn't get sold, you kind of know for the next time that you might have to go lower. Right. Um, I think combined with with an auction and and doing specific drops, I think it's always about the content. If if it's really exclusive, if it's really uh, completely original and and could could in in the artist's view really go through the roof, then do an auction. Uh, might as well yeah. do an auction. Um, but also there are other items that that you can just price um, logically. And I think mistakes will happen for sure in terms of pricing. Um, again, it's probably a um, trial and error thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a big believer that with the rise of TikTok came a lot of TikTok artists. With the ri rise of Spotify came a lot of like Spotify artists. And I think with the rise of Web3, there's going to be a lot of Web3 native artists. Uh, my next question to you is what determines like a valuable music artist in crypto? Like what makes one music artist more valuable than the other from a collector's point of view? How, how do you think about that? So we, we try to generate a lot of value for the secondary market too. So, and, and, and in doing so, sure. we have to focus a lot on long-term value, right? Um, so we were not big fans of, of, of artists that just use their name that might be big, might not right. be big, uh, to, to do like a short-term thing, to grab a lot of cash and then just take it and go away. Um, we tried to work with our artists and we have about 10 to 15 that we're launching within May. Um, we tried to work, them and, uh, work with them and actually create... Uh, let's say a small ecosystem around their content. Uh, we think it's uh, a good artist in, in, in the Web3 space or probably a good artist as a whole um, has some type of like exclusivity around their content, right? It has to kind of have something around the NFTs. As it has to be some kind of access, some type of uh, membership, some type of exclusivity in general that, that just also kind of passes the test of time just beyond the primary sale as well. So obviously you have the sale from artist to user, um, that's most most of all the sale that probably goes the best, um, unless you have a really really good long term concept. But right? if you if you keep working with the people that buy your NFTs and keep offering them value, uh, then the NFTs will 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 keep their value or even increase. Right. So so it's, I think it's the same with every other concept as well. Um, either the the art is so limited um, that it's really just the, the notion of it changing hands you know, or consuming that specific content. Or with the NFT space, which is completely new, obviously you can build some type of community around it, and and, and that's I think that's probably the where 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 good and bad artists will probably be be segregated because because long term value isn't easy to create. You kind of need to have like a loyal group of people following you, or you need to build that, and you need, you need to um, provide incentives and value and interesting content um, on an ongoing basis for sure. Um, so I think that's probably the challenge, and, and we're trying yeah. to support them as best as we can. Um, always looking at NFT projects that are that are um, interesting and, and and popular right now. I mean, look at CryptoPunks, as I mentioned before, or, or Bored Apes, right? They have this really cult following already and, and, right. and, and an incredibly vibrant community around them. I think if if, if artists are in, in the music space are able to create even a, a portion of that excitement around their 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 content in the long run, then I think they've won. So, and we're trying to make that happen for them. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges that artists face is when you try to become a Web3 native artist, you risk the pressures of trying to think creatively and be innovative in Web3. And part of that is understanding tokenomics, mechanism design, DAO models, all these all these like foundations that are nor known to crypto and really embracing that to be one with them, right? And creating experiences around your collectors that empower their pockets, right? And uh, that allow them to kind of engage with you on, a, on, a, on another level. The best example of this that, that I come to is with the artist Daniel Allen. Okay, he's been on Mint a couple times. 
And uh, he's been messing around on catalog. He's been messing around with NFTs, but he's been very strategic with his drops uh, and how and how he releases. He's been very strategic with the new, the, the Overstim DAO that he set up, right? Mm -hmm. And the different assets that are correlated to the Overstim DAO and how the, the DAO accrues revenue and all these different things that end up empowering his his asset holders, right? His collectors, right? So For I sure. think like a lot of the premise behind Web3 maybe not a lot, but a lot of it is kind of empowering the people who end up collecting your work, right? It's one thing to empower on a community level for one to fall in love with your art, to fall in love with your music. But it's another thing because a lot of the stigma around crypto is like, how can I make 10x really fast? You know, right. <laughs> that's like what a lot of a lot of people have been, uh, I guess, accustomed to for the most part. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges for artists. Like, how do I think creatively and innovatively in the context of Web3? Using sure. these primitives to build an audience, to monetize an audience, uh, to own an audience, which sounds like a lot of what LimeWire is trying to empower. Absolutely. And it's a completely new framework to work in, right? Yeah. I mean, we've been talking to our artists and just like the average consumer, the average artist isn't in Web3 either at this point, right? So they have to learn. We have to educate them on that and kind of explore together with them where Web3 makes sense for them, where they kind of need to think of new strategies to be creative or, or new types of assets they can create and also where they need to kind of stay true to their own music, right? Um, so we've also been telling telling artists a lot and, and, and just from our discussions we've had in the last uh, months, really, um, we also want our artists to kind of uh, not kind of break their initial concept, right? If, if they have if there's a reason for them to be to, to be popular or be, be uh, really successful in the music space, they should try to um, not change that obviously in Web3, right? It's just a different format for them to be present, a different format for them to, to, to distribute content. And maybe maybe the content comes with, with specific perks, but in general, um, they need to stay true to kind of their own concept, their vision, um, and, and try to fit that in a Web3 format and, and framework. Um, so it's a, lot of, it's, it's a lot of work for people to yeah. get into this space. Um, I think it's 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 really new. So there's there's going to be many like uh, case studies in the next few years, what works and what didn't work potentially. Um, and many are also uh, skeptical of the concept, right? I mean, there, there's, there's a lot many, of many, many are skeptical. Yeah, many, yeah, for sure. I mean, just from our discussions as well, many are people. Many people are open to kind of exploring, but many are also just shying away from from the notion at the moment because because there's just a lot of um, crap going on as well right and, and you yeah. don't like an artist that that's 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 popular and there's a lot of like a, that, that has built a brand for themselves uh, doesn't want to risk it uh, by potentially making a mistake in web3 and that's where we come in right that's where we try to kind of guide them we're doing a lot of hand-holding and working with them actually uh, to make them comfortable with the concept and also to do something that might not be that risky right that might be um might be for sure a, a web3 concept and a web3 asset uh, but but also really um, appealing to their uh, Web2 fans. And, and, and since we're opening the platform up to Web2 fans too and making it really easy for people outside the NFT space to get in, um, I think that's probably a good first step for most of the artists. Yeah. So what, what tends to be some of their biggest questions, concerns, misconceptions as you try to handhold a lot of these music artists? So I think probably the biggest issue is, is, um, is, is, is content or how they, how they need to think about uh, packaging their content, right? Okay. Because there is a, a whole lot of content with each of those artists, right? They have huge uh, gigabytes of, of audio and, and video and graphics. Um, the question is just how do we package it that it works as an NFT? How do we price it? Uh, which quantities we use? How we kind of market the drop as well? And, and how we attach value around the NFT? Because obviously it's, it's amazing. If it's, if it's an exclusive song, 
that gets unlocked on the platform if you're on the NFT, um, that's that's great in itself, right? Uh, but if you can create value around it, if 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 that even after listening it listening to it, it opens the door to a community or to have some type of membership or, or, or members club even, um, then then that might be even more interesting. So I think just packaging the content that they have already. And for most of the artists, actually, we're using content that they have, but it's, that there was never published. Some of them are creating like exclusive new music as well. Some of them are creating uh, collaborations, but with graphical artists or creating their own illustrations, for example. Um, but it's really it's really content. So the, they have content, but they yeah. need to package it. So that's yeah. that's kind of the biggest right. biggest challenge. And and they're also obviously always uh, a little concerns about how how crypto is going to see it, right? If 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 Web three natives that might also be their fans, right? A subset of their fans for sure. Um, how they take that and kind of um, how they how they get excited about it for sure. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I advise uh, artists as well. Like there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Just you have a catalog of existing content that you can upload on chain and try to kind of experiment and throw shit at the fan and see what sticks. Um, and from there you can learn, you can understand the entire process, you can educate yourself along the way. And uh, there is no like people won't remember you for your for your failures, per se, sure. right? They'll really remember you for when you really when you really struck, right? And when you really absolutely. Won. And I think part of like entering Web three is experimenting and being comfortable with the uncertain and the unknown, and kind of like taking it upon yourself to innovate within the trenches of what's possible, right? And and trying to find new trends, trying trying to unlock new experiences, things that maybe haven't otherwise been explored. And it goes back to like thinking innovatively, thinking creatively in the space. Um, you know, one thing one thing I want to talk about uh, with you and really get your point of view on is like, why do you think consumers care about collecting or owning music? Like what makes you so convinced that this entire media NFT era isn't just like a fad or a wave? Well, I think it's, uh, for one, I think uh, collecting uh, items and collecting exclusive um, formats or assets has always been around, right? It's it's not really that that the NFT space has invented collecting, right? Collecting has been around in the physical space. It's been around in the digital space to some extent. Um, people used to go or are still going, obviously, to to buy limited LPs and limited limited art um, and exclusive stuff in general. So I think the NFT space and the Web three space just has kind of brought uh, a different format to it, right? So. So the, the fundamental notion of, of collecting special items, um, showing them to your friends, consuming them, maybe trading them and selling them later on, um, that's been around forever and that's not going to go away. So that's kind of the fundament, fundamental uh, idea behind, behind the whole space, I think. Um, and, and Web3 kind of provides a new, a new way to do it. And, and just the notion of owning something in the digital world um, with, all, with, with ownership having become less possible really due to streaming and obviously the netflix and spotify's of the world um there's still a huge market for for exclusive content and and, and i think the NFC, nft space has shown that um and it's just providing a unique and progressive uh ways from a technology perspective and we need to we need to pursue that and and, and also try to find out what makes sense right i mean there's specific um, areas also in the music nft space probably that that just will fall away over time just because it's, it's such a new space, so there's a lot of exploring and, and, and trying it out, as you mentioned earlier. Um, but we think that, like the fundamental notion of collecting uh, music and art that is not accessible to everybody and not even to people that might be paying like a streaming subscription, um, that is probably the, the essence of the idea. And we mm -hmm. were completely confident that that's, um, that that's going to prevail 
um, and, and, and kind of be one of those use cases for blockchain um, that will stand out and will just uh, stand the test of time also. Yeah. yeah. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, Avagachi, Zed Run, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. You know, another thing that that comes to mind in this entire uh, in this, this entire movement is there's an argument uh, around owner owning something for royalties and owning something for the sake of collecting, right? And I and I'm curious to hear how you think about the difference between the two, and is one more superior than the other? I think they're completely different, to be honest. So, so we intentionally didn't go into royalties at the moment. Obviously, there's companies doing that, and I think that's obviously an amazing thing to do uh, but we also think it's a really difficult thing to do because essentially if you're if you want to revamp the royalty game um it's for sure something that that we're also exploring in the future uh, but essentially you're also uh, uh, competing with labels right you're, you're trying to kind of take over the whole mechanism of royalties um obviously making that more transparent is an amazing thing taking that on chain is is, is an, an amazing idea but we think, uh, we're, so for LimeWire, we wanted to go into collecting first and really to provide artists with a, with a new and an extra channel of distributing. And in doing so, we need to partner with those labels, right? We need to partner with the music, music industry in general, with all the stakeholders, because obviously the music business is a rights business, right? There's so many people that, own, that, that hold some of the rights to a specific piece of music. Uh, so we need to get all of them on board, get all of them comfortable with the concept, um, and then, and then uh, offer assets to, to, to fans and, and buyers that are interesting for collecting. So I think that's, that's kind of the idea. It's, it's not about uh, fighting the labels. It's not about uh, fighting the streaming services. At the moment for us, it's about creating a way for artists to, to be able to use uh, and to, to, to use content that is just not published yet and that might be exclusive and that might be unreleased. And to, to give them a way to monetize that, really. So that's that's the collecting aspect. Uh, royalties, I think, will be interesting. We'll, we'll keep looking at, into that. But we just think that it's a lot more heavy lifting than the collecting part for now. And for us, it's just a lot easier and, and, a, and a better mission as a whole to kind of work with everybody that's there already, not try to replace any labels at the moment, um, and, 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 and create value for artists and for fans. Really. Yeah. Um, it's two completely different co uh, concepts to be honest. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, speaking of record labels, okay. Do music NFTs work in favor of the RIAA and the record labels that ultimately fought to shut down, uh, LimeWire or do they, uh, do they work against them? Cause now I see in like uh, record deals, for example, or I'm hearing at least that now they're putting clauses to claim a percentage of NFT sales, for example. Right. Like, how do, you, how do you think about that? I mean, obviously, that's, that's the big thing always, right? I mean, for, for our artists, for example, we're working with 10, 10 to 15 for, for our launch and for the weeks after that. Um, we're seeing about 
half of our artists be independent and have all have okay. own all the rights to their music and obviously be completely free in what they do. So they could could do audio NFTs, they could do music NFTs, um, and 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 they completely are flexible when it comes to that. Uh, the other half is signed to a major label, is signed to some other label contract that that doesn't allow them per se to create NFTs with their with their music because anything that touches their music is is actually bound with that, bound by that contract. Right. Um, I think it doesn't hurt or it doesn't fight against the labels or also the labels will not fight um, the notion of NFTs because first of all, there's a lot of money in, the, in it for them as well, right? And second of all, it's just it's just another format, right? It's, it's, it's just music, again, that is distributed in a unique way um, and they, they, they're going to want their cut, right? I mean, if, if, there's, a, if, if there's, a, there's a label contract that, that involves music, that will involve NFTs if they contain music, and that's also the reason why many of many of the artists are actually doing like graphical or illustration works, right? That might not necessarily be music based, um, but I think they they can benefit from it, and I think the artists can benefit from it as well. It's always about the inner workings and about how how they how their partnership looks like in the back end, right? We say as LimeWire, we're giving ninety percent of the revenue to the artist. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if the artist has a, has a has a um, uh, an agreement with the label to give 50% to the label, then we cannot change that, right? We can just work with them, uh, try to obviously um, try to um, give them the best deal possible, um, but still they have to obviously figure it out in the back end. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see how it's going to play out. I, I have a bet that more and more record labels are, are going to end up launching their own uh, um, uh, marketplaces to empower their catalog of artists that they signed. And uh, this is just going to be a fight for curation at the end of the day. Um, the, the, the platforms who can curate the best artists, the most uh, amazing experiences will end up winning, in my opinion, because marketplaces are already becoming, in my opinion, like somewhat saturated. And the ones that are winning end up providing unique experiences for the people that they bring on into sure. the marketplace, both from a collector point of view and from an artist uh, point of view. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing an era of like music kind of being reimagined on chain and you're seeing people revalue music for what it what what some argue is what it's really worth right never have we really been able to collect or own something digitally other than like the last few years right where this entire for thing sure. kind of kicked in and i'm i'm curious from like lime wire's point of view like how do you see this kind of i guess evolving in the next few years like what does a music industry look like from your point of view assuming nfts end up taking their toll and this new collection format is the new way to one own music and listen to music how, how do you think about that i mean there's there's obviously different aspects to it right i think i think nfts will not completely take over the music space i think there will be streaming and i think there will be obviously records and, and everything that is in place right now um I think the, the NFT format is just going to be uh, one of the essential ways of, of, of releasing stuff, right? If, 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 I mean, there's obviously streaming, right? I mean, uh, if, if you as an artist decide to release a label, uh, release an album, sorry, and, and you do that on a streaming platform like Spotify, um, you might just do that with the, the finalized and finished tracks, right? But you might use your uh, other demos that, that, that might, create, might, might be created along the way and, and it might be completely clear that you uh, launch those as NFTs, or you use your album that will be released uh, on on a streaming platform maybe six months in six months, um, you, and you might do a pre-release as an NFT because you could have done that obviously, or you could do that in the physical space, and you might do that as well. Um, but in the digital world, doing a pre-release for NFTs is also really interesting, right? If, if there's a really big album many fans are waiting for, and that's going to be released maybe even next year. 
um, you could go ahead and create a thousand copies for that and actually offer that to, to your unique super fans that, that might be really loyal and really interested in that um, ahead of time. And I think just for like exclusive content and for unreleased content for, for demos and really, and really content that is, that is, uh, different to what's on, on the mainstream uh, streaming websites, uh, streaming services, um, I think NFTs will have a, certainly a, a seat pretty much when it comes to how you release music in general. And I think it's for art as well. Um, and for streaming in general, I mean, there's, there's companies that are trying to do streaming DAOs, right? I mean, mm -hmm. streaming is, uh, people are trying to revolutionize streaming as well, which is completely yeah. interesting because if you look at um, the inner workings of a streaming company, nobody knows how it's distributed, right? I mean, <laughs> if, if there's a way... Uh, to kind of make that all transparent and on-chain, that's that's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the golden era uh, of LimeWire, the number of users was very concentrated and connected. Uh, I, I, and I remember once everything kind of shut down, that interconnectivity was jaded into many tiny parts. It took a long time to really recreate that with new technology. How could the labels have leveraged that interconnectivity, I guess, rather than destroy it? That's a good question. So back back in the day, well, I mean, first of all, they were they were obviously um, under attack, right? They were right. under attack when it comes to licensing right. and, and and rights. So I completely understand that that was an issue for them, right? Uh, in general, what LimeWire did back in the day opened up music to so many people, right? So so it's a, it's a cool thing, and ninety nine percent of everybody that's gotten gotten in touch with it loved it, right? It's just it's just that the music industry obviously and and people that hold that were holding the rights obviously had an issue with it because that couldn't be like a long-term solution. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, it's hard to say that they could have embraced the project, right? I mean, they, they had to attack <laughs> it in some way, right? They had to kind of uh, bring an end to it. Obviously, it, it did kind of uh, bring the foundation for streaming and on-demand, right? I mean, that's kind of the way. Um, I think the companies like Nap Napster, LimeWire, and BearShare, and all those peer-to-peer -peer platforms, mm -hmm. they really... Um, paved the way for streaming and for on-demand and, and for how we think about content at the moment. So I think they did, they did some good, they did some bad. Um, um, at the end of the day, it's, it, it was bound to happen in some way, right? Um, and, and we're just excited to bring it back and, and, and kind of to be again at the forefront of a, of a, of a big change in the industry. Yeah. I remember the RIAA, I was doing some re research, they sought basically $150,000 for every song pirated that was owned by their labels. And it came to a close of like $75 trillion. Yes, and, <laughs> and just to give context, like the USA's GDP in 2021 was $23 trillion, right? So like the, the judge laughed that off. And I remember they settled for like 105 mil or yeah, something right. like that, right? So it makes me it makes me curious, like what if, what if crypto, what if Web3 blockchain technology was around during that time? Could it, could have it, could it have looked differently, right? Uh, in terms of what what value was created, who was chasing what, uh, and what kind of lawsuits kind of <laughs> what kind of lawsuits came about? Because you know piracy really impacted the music industry, right? And you, you touched upon it a little bit more. And, and like you said, Napster, LimeWire, etc. They were a lot of the reasons behind this consumer shift in terms of what they thought they wanted versus what they were actually getting. And nobody really wanted to buy a $15 CD at Best Buy anymore, right? They just wanted access to an unlimited library of free content that was on demand, uh, hence the transition into the streaming services, right? Where we pay like a SaaS fee to Spotify, Netflix, and other services just to kind of take advantage of this unlimited content For sure. on demand. I guess my, my question to you is like, by collecting media-related NFTs, okay, can this new technology play on that consumer mindset? of getting access to an unlimited library of free content on demand 
And if so, like, how would that work exactly? Well, I think NFTs in, in, in some way, they're about being limited, right? So, so that's, that's pretty important. So okay. exclusive content, kind of, they, they need to be limited in some way, but they might open, open up the doors for something else that might be unlimited, right? It might be an unlimited way of, of, of getting in touch with or actually engaging with people that are kind of in, kind of in the same mindset um, and, and, and getting access to, to some type of community um, that is providing like value over time, right? Uh, but the assets themselves, uh, NFTs are kind of based on being exclusive and limited, um, hence also uh, a price per piece, right? Because if you had a subscription that allowed you to, to uh, download all the NFTs itself, it wouldn't really be anything different yeah. to, to, to where, what we have or what we had before Web3. Um, so I think lim limitation is probably important in terms of the, just the sheer quantity of items that is, that is released. But, but just around that and only an NFT can provide you with unlimited opportunity. I think that's, that's really the important thing. And that's probably going to, going to define uh, um, a successful drop and an unsuccessful drop. If you, if you provide value around it, then it might be successful. If you only provide a JPEG and, and that's uploaded to the blockchain and that's public anyway, and anybody can download it and you don't provide anything around it, <laughs> anything that, that, that gives you access to anything else, um, then that's not going not to be interesting in the long run. Yeah. So when when are we gonna get the whole uh, music NFT to MP3 download sites <laughs> where you can input the the contract address and get get a file as if you were on YouTube? I'm just joking, but uh, they might be it, popping up though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, my bet here, Paul, is that in the next five to ten years, the music industry is gonna see a complete shift. Uh, I think these collectibles are gonna be the foundation for new licensing contracts, and while there's gonna be a limited uh, amount to collect. Uh, there's going to be a, an entire new consumption layer to enjoy music that's going to be For pegged sure. on chain and is going to mm -hmm. is going to be leveraging the music collectors NFTs that they ended up collecting or owning or whatever you want to call it from a legal standpoint. And that value is going to be accrued much differently. The second you have all that stuff on chain, you can think about splits differently. You For can sure. think about payment automation differently. You can think about ownership and attribution differently, right? All these For things sure. that are otherwise very scattered and broken in the very like Web2 uh, I guess, uh, outdated music industry. How, how do you think about the consumption layer around everybody collecting all these assets? Will we have some type of application that will allow people to connect their wallet, listen to their songs kind of thing, but not just that, but tap into the world of songs that other people have collected. Maybe there's some way to pay through some governance token, streaming royalties somehow behind that. You know, you know what I mean? Like where my head's going? For sure. With this? I mean, we're pretty early, right? It's, it's right. really just the, the, the very beginnings of, of how NFTs can make sense in this space. I think there's a, there's a whole different um, uh, kind of world waiting for us uh, in the music industry, but in the, in the art space as a whole, right? I mean, there's so much you could do with, with, with on-chain assets. Um, and we're really just trying to, to get people in initially now, right? Um, so, so I think there's a, there's a huge amount of opportunity. And if, if you look at, um, obviously, what you mentioned before, it's, it's extremely important to just embrace it, right? Because, because people, um, when I look into the music industry, like maybe five years ahead, um, artists are going, are going to uh, consider NFTs and the format of NFTs when they first create their content, right? Right now, obviously, most of them, at least most of the music artists that we've been talking to, they have a host of, a host of content that they might need to repackage or maybe they, maybe they create something new. But in the future, I see, obviously, there will be streaming platforms that will be considered. There will be uh, physical records potentially still that will be uh, considered and obviously there's always going to be a niche market for that and there's going, going to be the nft format that will be considered right and and and, and people and artists need to be uh, open and, and progressive about that um and 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 
in the whole supply chain, in the whole process where they actually create content, they will have to have, and will want to have kind of a big focus on where they and how they can um, publish content in the NFT space. Uh, so I think um, we're pretty early, as I mentioned, and, and there's going to be uh, so many things to explore for sure. Yeah. I want to talk to you about copyright, okay? Uh, and more specifically, how do you guys at LimeWire think about copyright on chain? Because I remember at some point back in the day, LimeWire produced like this content ID that tried to identify songs that breached copyright laws, but all users really had to do was just like adjust the pitch and they could kind of like <laughs> bypass the, those those walls, right? Yeah. Will the same actions occur on chain? Of course, it's human nature to find tricks and ways to kind of go around the system. So that probably won't change. But how do you think NFTs might solve that if, if they may? Well, I think what's really important to note is, is that so just to fight the whole thing and just just because of the history of LimeWire, we're replacing an, an especially strong focus on curation mm-hmm. and on content moderation and on copyright, right? So, so we want to be able to obviously Which identify... Which prevents, and, by the way, a lot of the issues that LimeWire had when you can kind of gate access, you absolutely. can determine who gets to upload, who gets to sell, but not absolutely. necessarily who gets to buy. Absolutely. But then again, you cannot, you cannot 100% make sure that, that a buyer that actually buys an NFT doesn't reproduce it, doesn't, doesn't, right. doesn't obviously publish it somewhere else. So you need to have like takedown policies. You need to make use of a lot of the framework that is in place still right now, kind of to, to, to be able to take content down, right? So um, it's, it's nearly impossible to, to have a completely bulletproof solution there, uh, but we're just trying to make it, make it as, as, as bulletproof as possible, right? So if you, um, if you for example, launch as an artist on, on LimeWire, um, we're actually manually... Uh, vetting all of them right so a new artist with a new collection is always manually improved by limeware approved by limeware we're trying to do it really quick so we have a whole team of of, of curators actually and moderators uh, that will be just reviewing content 24 7 to make to also make it really easy for artists to actually get stuff out right but still we want to make sure not no copyright is actually infringed on right so right that's usually important I think it's it's going to be an ongoing challenge to do that, and it's going to be one for pretty much all of the NFT platforms out there, and still for anybody that publishes content on a platform basis. So as soon as you have people uploading, you need to moderate really closely. But then again, right. you cannot wait. You cannot let customers wait or artists wait uh, a week to, to have their content moderated. Right. So you kind of have to um, go both ends, be really quick about it, but still be really really peculiar and and try to obviously. Um, hold the rights kind of the, to the highest extent and, and uh, be really careful about it. So, so we're um, doubling down on that for sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, one thing I think a lot, a lot about, especially during this season, is like how can Web3 music platforms address copyright infringement while staying decentralized, right? Is there, is there a happy medium between curating in a very centralized point of view or even handing down curation to the community and like a governance format, right? Uh, but also making sure that the ethos and principles of what Web3 is so far built upon, the decentralization layer, right, stays intact and remains uh, as, as a core component of that foundation. I think about that a lot, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know if we can come to some type of a, a, a way forward where copyright infringement, I guess, no longer is a problem while platforms stay decentralized, if that makes sense. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure. We haven't seen that kind of play out just right because copyright kind of bleeds into many, many other different industries beyond music. Right. Yeah. Music sure. is just a small component of it. So if for anybody sure. can solve that problem appropriately, so I'll hit me up. I want to have you on the podcast. Uh, Same here. <laughs> and, and number two, I'm curious to learn more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it's, 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 it's an extremely difficult challenge for sure. 
Um, I'd also like to see, obviously, a way of consuming content that's on-chain um, um, gated through NFTs, right? Uh, it, it's, it's not not too easy to... Because if you look at a JPEG that lives on the blockchain, everybody can access it and it's completely transparent. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing thing. But how also, um, that's why we also work with unlockable content on the platform, right? But things like IPFS and, and, and those like decentralized file storage solutions are really interesting too. Um, so I think there's, there's going to be so many technologies that will be built in the future. Many of them will, will probably not work, but, but um, to be honest, it's, it's an ongoing challenge and we need to just keep a close eye on, on what happens in this space. And if there's a viable concept that, that just comes out at some point, um, we are absolutely embracing it. So uh, solving the copyright issue um, is, probably, is, is probably one thing that we've been trying uh, as a whole yeah. world for, for <laughs> decades, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, but I think in general with decentralization, we're moving into the right way for sure. For sure. Yeah. I have a, a couple more questions for you before we, we kind of wrap off. Okay. What do you think would cause the downfall of music NFTs? Like what is the Achilles heel? I know we talked about, we talked about infrastructure. We talked about copyright, but is there something that maybe the majority aren't thinking about yet? That could be the ultimate Achilles heel of music NFTs of collecting music on chain. Uh, and what that's worth. And that could actually end up being the Achilles heel of the entire industry for the most part. But let's take it one step at a time. Well, it's, it's hard to say. I don't see one, to be honest. Um, okay. I think it's, it's going to depend on, 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 on interest and, and what content is created, right? As long as artists that have a following um, in the world and, and that have fans out there, um, and as long as quality content is actually produced and offered, I think that that will be completely uh, fine and, and, and that will be successful for sure. Um, consumer interest is obviously key, right? If people don't care about NFTs and if they don't see the value in them, um, then, then that might be a huge issue for the market. We've seen otherwise, obviously, in the last, last couple of years. Um, so I don't see uh, like a complete black swan scenario there. I, I just see a lot of benefits to, to, to where the space could be taken through Web3. Um, but, you know, we, we all don't know. I mean, obviously, there's regulation happening. So that's, that's sometimes making it easier, sometimes making it harder. Um, and we also obviously need to need to adjust all of us um, also in the crypto space as a whole. Right. I mean, there's there's people claiming that 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 that, that, that crypto in general um, will go away at some point because regulation will be too hard. Um, I think actually regulation helps a lot um, as in the NFT space, but in the crypto space as whole as a whole. Um, so. I don't see yeah. an Achilles heel, to be honest. Okay. I, I see a lot of opportunity. We need to use it in the right way. And, and I think the right way will still need to be determined also in the music space. Um, but if we do it right, then it's certainly here to stay. Yeah. yeah. So final question for you, okay? And we'll, we'll wrap up after this. So what, what do you hope NFTs, Web3, crypto kind of unlocks for the next generation of music artists and, and overall creators? Well, I think that I hope it's, it's going to provide a lot more flexibility and ownership okay. for them, right? Um, because just talking to the music industry in general, we want them to be able to, to, to have their own content, to own their content, and to be completely flexible about they, what they do with it, right? We don't want um, our artists to give us like a completely, uh, like, a, like, a, like a license to do everything with their content that we want, right? We want them, we want to be a platform for them to, to, to get onboarded, to create amazing content and to, to dictate themselves how they, how they sell it um, and, and how they offer it to their fans, right? So that's, that, that's one, one big goal is actually giving flexibility and giving control to the artists. And, and they have lost a, a little bit of their control in the last few years, really with streaming and everything. 
and and just with the contracts they're in. Uh, so we hope we just hope that the NFC space in general gives flexibility back to the artists, um, allows them to monetize their content better. Um, maybe there's there's new solutions that 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 allow them to kind of to market their content better as well. That uses Web three in some way. So I think probably the the big headline is probably giving control and giving ownership also back to the artists. Paul, amazing. Thank you for being on. Uh, what Thank a you pleasure. very much. Adam. It was really fun capturing this story. Um, for sure. I hope to have you on again soon as LimeWire kind of progresses, launches, and you guys go through your first few drops. So best of luck to you. Before I let you go, where can we find LimeWire? Where can we find you? Give us the spiel. LimeWire.com, pretty much. Cool. So it's pretty easy. Just Google LimeWire. You'll find, you find the waitlist for now. We're actually launching at the end of May. So at, at that time, we'll get, we'll get the Marketplace live. We will we'll obviously have marketing campaigns around the, the, the artists that will be joining. They will be announced um, in May, mid-May, end of May. Cool. Um, so LimeWire.com for sure. And you'll find me in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Paul. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk soon. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? If you've gotten this far, then I owe you a listener badge NFT. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash poop. That's P-O-A-P. And click the respective season. Fill out your info and I'll distribute the free to mint NFT at the end of the season. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. You won't believe it, but it helps me out a ton. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you just simply want to chat. If you couldn't tell already, I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy. And it's no different if it's coming from you directly. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world. And we'll catch you on the next episode.